All right, great worship this morning, man. I needed that. It's, uh, man, it's good to be together. And uh, man, I was looking around today prior to the service and just uh, with light in my eyes today, it, uh, I kind of came in a little bit heavy this morning uh, from the weekend, just carrying some uh, some junk, some old religious junk that started jumping on me. And uh, man, just prayed through it this morning. God spoke to it. Giving sweet time with the, with uh, some of the with the worship team this morning, praying before uh, uh, before we started everything today. Just uh, just God helping me out. But but all of this worship this morning is so uh, so real because of that. You know, I, I, mean, I really just came in heavy today. Uh, just in a, in a nutshell, just kind of carrying. I, I hung I hung out this weekend uh, with some some old friends and. And all the old religious stuff about how successful people are and, you know, in the, in the religious standards, you know, uh, all of the stuff that they see that makes success just causes competition to rise up inside of them. And it's like, well, yeah, we're successful, you know. We got stuff and things, four or five people. And we got stands, got these. You know, you know how it is, or some of you will, maybe some of you won't. Probably most of you don't because you're not afflicted with the stuff I'm afflicted with. But anyway, that got built up, and then it was just, then, you know, we, we had a little moment this weekend, a, a worship experience with some people, and just judging everybody. All of a sudden, I found judgment in my heart towards everyone. And it just, I didn't even notice it until this morning. And I got in here and was like, eh. I also didn't eat Whole30 this weekend, so that might have been a part. It was kind of the same experience. <laughs> you know, you don't really know that you, uh, any of you do, ever done Whole30? Whole30? Okay, everybody asks you, well, are you feeling better? You know, no, I don't think. But if you go back and have a day like yesterday, I, I didn't eat Whole30. I ate whole, the whole thing. I ate it all. <laughs> and I felt this, this you know, uh, bloatedness that reminded me of what I used to feel like. You know, but I had to eat that way to be able to remember how good I feel now. Okay, that's a good description of how I'm feeling spiritually this morning. I, I got full of all that junk this weekend spiritually. And I walked in this morning and got full of Jesus and, and his, you know, he's, he's enough motivation for me to live, to, to be happy and content. I don't need anything else. And so I just got to be reminded of that sometimes. So anyway, now this was confession. I'll let all of you tell me later on what I need to do to make up for it, since we're in the in the confessional. So I feel better. Y'all feel better? All right. You can confess later. I got to preach. All right. Today we're going to, uh, so yeah, so God is good, man. God is so good. He's the reason why we're doing what we're doing. Just love, love the Lord, man. He's so faithful, so full of grace. It gives us a reason to, to keep on going. And, uh, and so, so today we're going to keep moving into 2 Timothy. God spoke that this week. I was kind of thinking about going into 1 Peter um, and kind of grappling with both. And then all of a sudden, you know, I just asked the Lord, I think it was Tuesday morning. I said, okay, God, where, where are we going? Because I kind of wanted to finish Timothy initially, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm open. And, the, and so I opened up my devotion for that morning, and the first thing I read was uh, I went to Bible Gateway to get some, you know, some things that I read just about every day. And the verse for the day was in 2 Timothy chapter 4. So I said, all right, there's my answer. I'm going to do 2 Timothy. So I believe this is from the Lord, and uh, so it makes it significant for us. 
And we're, we already got a lot of the background for this. We're not going to, we may not spend more than four Sundays. It's kind of, you know, as I read through the book, I could see logically for the way it kind of lays out and four reminders uh, from Paul to Timothy. But this, this letter was only written, uh, most, most people believe, one to maybe two years after the first letter that we, that we just walked through. Okay, so uh, this is a second letter of Paul to Timothy. Hopefully all of you know that we have, there was a first letter, right? If nothing else, because I just said it's the second letter. So that would make sense, right? But then also because we just spent about 13 to 15 Sundays going through the first letter. Remember that? Like a week ago? Okay, good. All right, so, so this is uh, probably written a year or so after the first. Uh, Paul's is, uh, this is the second time Paul's a prisoner in Rome, and so he's in prison, and that's significant. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Uh, so he's, he's writing Timothy this letter. Now, uh, Paul's writing this letter with this, with this idea in mind, or with this, this reality. Paul's life is about to end, okay? And we'll look at that in just a second. We're going to move on to the end of the chapter, or toward the end of the letter, rather, to see where Paul is and see what his life condition is, because that, that gives a lot of uh, a credence and, and power and significance to what we're going to study for these next four or five or six or 13 Sundays, all right? So where, where is Paul? Paul's in Rome. He's in prison. Uh, he, he is, his life is about to end. All right, so look at, look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4 real quickly, uh, and we'll look at verses 6 through 8 to see Paul's condition. All right, Paul says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will reward me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have, who have loved his appearing. All right, so Paul says, first of all, he says, for, this is the first word of verse 6, so we've got to know what he's, what he's talking about, and we're going we're gonna to spend a lot of time talking about what he's talking about. But basically, in this letter, uh, Paul is is telling uh, Timothy, stay faithful in the face of continued opposition. Stay faithful in the face of that same opposition that Paul was facing that we talked about in 1 Timothy. All right, he's still facing opposition in Ephesus. And so, and, and it's religious people who are trying to pressure him to be quiet about Jesus or at least to add to what he's saying about Jesus, the, the works of the law. All right, so he's got this pressure to conform. And Paul is reminding him to stay faithful to that because Paul has stayed faithful to that. He says, stay faithful to this because, or for, I am already being poured out as a drink offering. I can't be there to do this anymore. All right, so Paul, you, uh, Timothy, you need to take care of this. So because I am being poured out as a drink offering, my life's about to end, I need you to stay faithful. I need you to take up, the, to continue to, to, to be a representative of Christ and of me and of your family, of your heritage, your background. I need you to continue to be that in Ephesus All right, because my life's about to be poured out. And so that's what this, this letter is about. It's Paul reminding Timothy that he's about, uh, th- that he needs to remain faithful to his call. Now, 
Why is it significant that Paul's life's about to end? We talked about this with Jesus when we talked about abiding. One of the reasons why the abiding passages are so significant is because this was the last time that Jesus is with his disciples prior to his crucifixion. And, and we talked about this same principle, that at the end of your life, if you only have a few moments left and you're thinking about, and, and Paul is, and he's thinking about him with tears, he's thinking about Timothy, and, he, and, and he's thinking, uh, what, can I, what do I need to write to Timothy in what will be my last letter to Timothy? What do I need to encourage him to do in, in, in my last words to Timothy? So if you were in your, at the close of your life and you are sound mind and you were able to write and send a letter out to the people that mean the most to you, uh, what, would you what would you write? If you were going to send an email out uh, or your last message on Facebook, uh, you were going to send that last little piece of information out to those people that, are, that, are, that you have poured into, whose, whose lives you've invested in. What would you say? I thought about that all week. I've been thinking about what if it was me? What if it was me? And I thought about a number of you uh, as I've had time to think this week and not be distracted. I've thought about a number of different ones of you uh, who, have, who are those people in my life. People that I would, if, if my life was about to end and I could send one last email and I could, you know, I could tag certain ones of you uh, or put certain ones of you in the, in the, to receive this email and I would write it. I thought, well, what would I write? And, and I, I felt what Paul was feeling in this moment. Tried to put myself in his shoes at the close of his life. What would he write? That makes these words significant. Not that the Bible in, in its entirety and every word is not significant. Everybody understand that, right? It's all significant. But, but what makes this special to us is that the, the writer of over half the New Testament is going to close out his career by giving some words of wisdom and some reminders uh, to a young man who he has poured his life into. And that's, that makes these words, I think, super significant for us. So I titled this series, Famous Last Words. Famous Last Words. Now, it's, as Paul thought about Timothy, obviously Timothy came to mind when he was thinking about who do I write to. He thought about Timothy and he writes this letter. So as Paul thought about Timothy, what did he need to let Timothy know again before he would depart from this world. This is, this is kind of be, going to be the summary of where we're going. First of all, he wanted to remind him of his call, his family heritage, and his testimony. We'll talk about that today. He wanted him to remember at the close of, his, at the close of Paul's life, he wanted Timothy to bring to mind his call, his family heritage, and his testimony. Second, he wanted to remind him that his message is simply the life-changing gospel. That's it. Timothy, your message is that message that has transformed your life, and it's transformed all the lives of people that I've, I've, I've given this message to. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That testimony, that message is what we're all about. Timothy, don't forget that. Don't forget also that uh, to, to watch out for distractions. There, there are two specific distractions that Paul talks about in this letter to Timothy. First of all is the useless arguments that were going on. We spent a lot of time talking about uh, the stands and this representing Jesus, who I did not represent well this weekend, in the, in the face of these people. Uh, how wonderful a relationship with Christ is and, and how uh, this is what we're about, the gospel. But 
there's arguments over here in the religious world and people are going to try and draw you away from Christ to spend your time thinking about and dwelling on success from this perspective of it's how smart you are. It's how much knowledge, how much uh, uh, education you have. It's how much, uh, how many rules you follow. It's all the list of things. And, and we, and they're going to want to drag you to here. And he says, don't be distracted. He's reminding Timothy, don't be distracted. And we'll spend some time talking about that. But then also, Timothy, don't be distracted by the, the lure of sin, of, of just, just your flesh and how your flesh longs to, to, to reach out and grab some for yourself, some pleasure and the sinful pleasures of life and how they distract us and pull us away uh, from the gospel and the simplicity of, of life under God's, uh, Jesus' lordship. And how awesome and incredible this is. Okay, don't be distracted by that. And then the fourth thing is remind him to stay faithful to the word. Stay faithful to the word. That in, 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 in Timothy's time at this point, uh, most believe that he had the gospels, uh, that he had Paul's letters. He obviously had the first letter that Paul wrote to him. So those are all considered to be part of the word of God. These were words that God were giving, was giving him. And then obviously uh, all of the Old Testament. <laughs> the Old Testament professor gives me an amen in the back, finally. Uh, uh, and that was not all that significant, but it was a part of the word. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just joking. <laughs> all right. So, so, yeah, the word. How significant. Reminded Timothy, please... Remember this, keep your message centered around the whole of Scripture, the, the whole uh, inspired word that you have at your disposal. Keep that and make sure that you uh, remain true to that and faithful to that. All right, so that's what we're going to talk about when we talk about Second Timothy. So let's start then today with this feeling that Paul had that it would be important for Timothy to be reminded of his heritage and his call in his ministry or, or his testimony. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, let's read the first seven verses. Here's what he says. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. All right, and I'm not going to spend much time on this, but Paul is, all, is doing something here. Now, we already looked at it in chapter 4. He says, you, in, in reference to the suffering that you're having, Follow my example. Remain faithful to these things, okay? So it is important that, that Paul introduces himself as an apostle who has remained faithful uh, by the will of God to do the ministry that he's called to do. So to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers day and night. So, first of all, he's saying here, there's some ancestry that's a part of, of his heritage and his faith in God. Now, Paul's heritage was not like Timothy's. Paul's heritage was based on the law, and, uh, and, and yet he still thanks God for the heritage because the word was a part of his heritage, and we'll see that later on in, the, in this letter. But anyway, he, he thanks him. And then verse 5, uh, or verse 4, he says, As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this season, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, 
which is in you through the laying out of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. All right, let's, let's deal with this for a minute. Timothy's heritage included having Paul as a spiritual father, according to this passage. He calls him his beloved child. So he had Paul as a spiritual father, and it also included having a family who taught him the ways of the Lord. Now, I've recently purchased a gas-to-coal grill. Now, I'm going to use this illustration today to kind of remind us. It's pretty cool. Uh, You know, I I love charcoal, but I hate how long it takes for it to get ready, right? So when I come home, you know, in the middle of the day, and I'm going to eat something real quick, I'm going to throw some meat on the grill, I have to wait for the charcoal and the lighter fluid to burn off and all that stuff. Well, this gas-to-charcoal grill is incredible because all you do, you put one layer of charcoal, put it on a tray, slide it inside your gas grill, and then it lights up the charcoal, all right? So it's cool. Uh, and, and the charcoal, it, about 10 minutes after you start this fire, you can turn the gas off and the charcoal keeps, keeps on burning. All right, so charcoal is, the, is kind of the idea I want us to think about, that idea of charcoal being lit. All right, so charcoal, I mean, there's all different kinds of charcoal. What I like about charcoal is the taste that it gives your meat. It's a lot better than just gas, right? Who wants their meat to taste like gas, right? We want it to taste like hickory, right, and mesquite. All that, right? Everybody getting hungry? Let's pray. Then we're going to go home and eat. Right. Yeah, we want it to taste like charcoal. Charcoal is a whole different taste, right? But it's got to be lit, all right? And so we're going to use that illustration and think about, as we think about Paul here, because, uh, man, when I, I, I want my coal underneath the meat, because uh, Guillory's Meat Market makes some wonderful meat. Can I get an amen? Who? Oh, Butterfield Farm does too, yeah, but I'm sorry. Butterfield Farm makes the best meat. They just don't stuff it full of South Louisiana greatness, you know. So so, uh, Butterfield Farm's meat with Guillory stuffing tastes wonderful. And you don't want it to not have this mesquite, this beautiful taste to it. But the coal uh, that has this wonderful flavor packed into it has to be heated up before uh, it can it can put any taste in your meat. So the Holy Spirit used Paul. The Holy Spirit used uh, uh, Lois and Eunice, Timothy's family and his and his uh, father, spiritual father, to light this fire in Timothy's life. Timothy was a coal. Uh, you know he has all the all the elements. Uh, uh, he, he was a believer in Christ, but these people poured into his life and lit the fire so that all the sweetness of, of, of Timothy could come out and be experienced by the world. And he was, uh, there, there was a lot going on in his life uh, that, that this investment had made. And so Timothy was a great servant of God because of the heritage that he had. So Paul was his spiritual fa- father. He calls him his beloved child. Paul's taking these last moments of his life to address his spiritual son who he knows has not only received his teachings but has also already applied them multiple times and whom he has loved selflessly to tell him and remind him to to fan that flame and get get that coal burning and keep it burning. Don't forget that. All this that I've invested in you, all the mesquite that's in you, Man needs to come out, so fan the flame, let it come out, let it 
let the savor of that that relationship that you have with God and the beauty of the of the uh, of the ministry that you've had let it let it continue. In First Corinthians four uh, fourteen to seventeen, Paul talks about this. He says, "I don't write these things to you." Uh, to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, guides, he says you have, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then as imitators of me, and this is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He uses that same terminology to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. And Paul had connected Timothy with the Heavenly Father, first of all. But Paul became Timothy's spiritual father. He raised him up in the ways of the Lord and sent him out to be a spiritual father to others. And this week, as I've been thinking about, you know, I, I'm only the mesquite that that's in your that's in you. I'm the mesquite. I'm I'm the guy that that the the spiritual father that has hopefully led you to the heavenly father, right? I've led you to to know him and to be in relationship with him. But then also, God continues to use me to pour into this body and you specifically things that He wants you to experience and things that He wants you to 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 do in ministry and and uh, and helping you to understand the beauty of who He is. And to minister that to other people. And so we need to fan that flame. I, I encourage you today to receive with, with joy the things that God gives you through this, in this body. And through your spiritual father and other spiritual fathers that you may have. But definitely in this place, I served in that role for you. And as I thought about you this week, I thought, man, I thought with, with, with joy. How awesome it is. And today as I looked around and just experienced what, you know, your lives and what God is doing in your life and just watching you, uh, man, it's, it's such a blessing to be able to know that, that you are hot burning coals in this community for God. You know, I, I, uh, a friend of mine came to town this past week and he came in contact with some people from another church uh, who, he's, who he's praying about going to minister with. And, and then he came in contact with four of you in the same day, and he and I had lunch together. And the, he, the words that he used, he says, man, they have burning hearts. The people from the gathering place have burning hearts. Man, I swole up with that. And not with pride for me, but with just excitement, with joy that Paul's talking about here. That filled my life with joy to think that people saw a difference in you guys. Now, it wasn't all of you, but I know it's true of most of you, and probably all of you, that you are that. And, and I would say to you, as Paul said to Timothy, fan the flame of that, of that investment that, that God has made in you through your spiritual father. Fan that flame. Use that. In 1 Timothy, Paul told, uh, Paul told Timothy basically the same thing. He said, the, the ministry that I've entrusted to you. There's a ministry that's a very distinct ministry that Paul was given by God to give out to people. And it was a kind of ministry in their, in their uh, culture. And at that time in, in Christianity, they were, they were having to stand in the face of all this religious oppression. And Paul said, this is what we do. This is who we are. Stand firm. This is who we are. And we talked about in 1 Timothy, and I'll just bring it back to us uh, and move on. But, guys, 
we abide in Christ at this church. That's who we are. It's not, it's not a, a catchy phrase. It's not a really nice slogan. It's not a cool idea. It's who we are. We're not, that's what God has told us to do. It's what, he's, it's what he's given me to give to you. And anytime I try to move away from that, God brings me right back down to that. It's, that is our, the, the core of our distinctives. It's us going to God and saying, God, what do we do? And us obeying him and coming to see him or to know him through the activity that he does and the things that he does in our, in our church. I shared with this, this with you, and I want to give you the rest of the story. But, this, you know, I shared with you when we were talking about abiding that I had a, uh, the other day I had to fish until I, I fished all night and caught nothing. Y'all remember that? And the thing that Satan put in my mind because some, a couple of people had, had, uh, had judged me the week before as not being a, a good pastor. So I had that in my mind. And, uh, and then in the middle of the night on a Saturday or Friday night, you know, Satan kept me up. He said, you really aren't a good pastor. You're, you're pitiful. And, and that whole abiding thing is you don't need to stay on that. How many people have y'all baptized? I mean, that's, all this stuff kept going, keeps going through my head. And ultimately, it was about that. It ended up being results. And that morning when I got along with the Lord, everything he spoke through me and through Talitha was about, about just abiding in Christ. And God will bring people. God will go save the lost. God will, will, will bring the lost to himself. Uh, so, man, totally calmed my heart. And I just, I've been resting in him. All right, so guess what happened this week? This week, from Tuesday, well, since Tuesday through about, well, Tuesday, through Tuesday and Wednesday, in two days, uh, we had two people pray to receive Christ, uh, one an atheist and one a person from this neighborhood. We had, and, and we had uh, four others that want to be baptized. So six people were going to have a baptism service on the, November the 20th. And probably all six of those will be baptized on. And we've been, we did nothing different. We've just been loving on God right in front of me. Go ahead and clap. That's for God right there. <laughs> yeah, and, we're, and it's going to be a beautiful day, a beautiful s- service. But you know what? Here's, here's what I felt. Y'all still with me? Don't miss this point because this, this is an illustration for what God just said. I fished all night. I caught nothing. God told me what to do. I did what he said. He filled the net with fish. He did it. I can't take any credit for that, right? I don't. It's not me. I know it's not. I, and and I, I know he filled the net with fish. And, and, and so I went away from there saying, I am more determined to follow him and quit fishing. I'm not going back there. All right, so we need to, that, that is our message. It is what God's calling us to do. God wants to show himself to this community, but we've got to stay true to that. All right, so we have specific distinctives that God's given our body. At the close of Paul's life, he wants us, he wants to say once again uh, to the one who he invested so much in, remain, abide, stay, com- be, remain committed, live out what you received from me. Live it out. And I want to say it again to, to, to you guys. As your spiritual father, live out what you received. So much has been invested. Take what God has put into you and, let, and fan that flame and let it burn. Paul also wants Timothy to know how much joy it had brought to his life. In verse 4, he said, As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. 
that you know, I already described how I felt this week as I thought about you. But please know that for me, there's nothing that brings me more joy or fulfillment than to see you abiding in Christ, hearing from God, adjusting your life to what he says, coming to know him by experience, and investing in others. Man, there is nothing in this world that brings more joy to my heart than that. I would give up everything else to see that completed in your life. So fan the flame. Also, Paul told Timothy to remember the the investment that his family made. A family who had taught him the ways of the Lord. Look at verse 5. And I'm reminded of your sincere, as I'm reminded of your sincere faith that dwelt first in your mother, in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I'm sure dwells in you as well. He's not saying I'm sure as in I don't really know. He's saying I'm sure. He knows. He's had multiple experiences with Timothy. And he knows it dwells in him. Uh, so this faith has been given to him. Now, Timothy had, a, had a, a Hebrew mother who was a believer, and he had a Greek father who was not a believer. Uh, in Acts chapter 16, we see that. Paul came also to Derb uh, and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. Uh, so, so his mother and his grandmother are lifted up in this passage. And, and Timothy has said, remember your heritage, your family background. Remember that, that God poured into you through your grandmother and through your mother the truth of his word and, and gave you a foundation uh, in that. Now, what, kind of, what did that foundation look like? We know it looked like the word. Later on in this, in this, in this uh, letter, Paul says that in verses 14 and 15 of chapter 3. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So the, his, his grandmother and, and his mother had poured into him the Old Testament. Can I get an amen? The Old Testament, <laughs> that was just for, that was only for us. But I'm glad the rest of you joined in. Yeah. The sacred writings were poured into his life because they all pointed to Jesus. And if, if the Jewish people could just understand that, that everything in the Old Testament was pointing to what God intended from the beginning, was pointing to Jesus, all of it. And so understanding and knowing the sacred writings uh, as they were given to him by his grandmother and by his mother, uh, who ultimately put their faith in Jesus because they, they understood that everything pointed to him. You know, they had the, he had this foundation in his life. And so he says, remember your family heritage. Let that investment drive you to continue. And some of you in this room have had a rich family heritage, a great background. Some of you have not. But if you do have that, remember that. Remember that. And, and don't remember it with regret. And don't remember it with... with um, in some cases, anger. You know, I, I, for a long time, I had problems with the way I was brought up, but it wasn't my parents' fault. And, it, and really, I needed that background and foundation in order to bring me to where I am now. I, I have I made, made the mistake of apologizing to some of the people in my ministry before when I used to be one of these guys, a legalist, who was trying to get people to act right. I, I apologized to them and said, man, look, we were all in the same place, and we're, we're all over here now, okay? So... God uses that foundation in his word. So be thankful and, and honor God uh, by standing in what he's given you since then, standing in the truth that he's given you. 
but all of us have something in our background. So remember your family heritage and let that, in, that investment drive you to continue. Fan that flame and let it burn uh, within you. All right, so in 2 Timothy now, verse 1, 6 and 7, he says, For this reason I remind you to fan the flame of the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. So he says, fan the flame. He uses our charcoal experience. Fan the flame. You fan the flame. There's an understood you here. He's not saying uh, the Holy Spirit's going to fan the flame. He says, you fan the flame. Now, how do we do it? How do we fan the flame? He goes on to talk about not being ashamed of his testimony. Uh, in, in verse 8, he says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So how do we fan the flame of this investment that's been put into our lives? All right, here's what he's not saying. He's not saying, it would be really cool for me, and probably nobody would ever have any problems with it if I just said, Fan the flame by keeping on reading the word. It's true. Be, be people of the word. Fan the flame by having a quiet time. Fan the flame by praying more. Fan the, fan the flame by not missing church so much. Right? Fan the flame by whatever else. Here's what Paul is saying. Fan the flame by living out what you've heard. Fan the flame by living out what you heard. You know what's going what's gonna to keep that fire for Jesus burning in your life? Walk with him through life. Abide in him and watch what happens. Watch how you smell. Watch the, <laughs> watch the flavor that comes out of you. Watch how much better, how much more people are drawn to you. People that don't know Christ. Watch how much more they're drawn to you when you're not focused on the, the, the fan itself, but you're focused on the fanning. The fan might be the Bible, reading the Bible, praying, having a quiet time, coming to church. That may be the fan itself, but you've got to grab it and you've got to use it. And the way to use it, he says, is get your testimony out there. Share it in the face of opposition. Get out there and let people see Christ in you. Be, be examples of, of, of who Christ is in the community. Let them see the, the love of Christ. Let them see, uh, which Jesus says, by the way, they'll know that you're his disciples if you love one another. So let them see the love of Christ in you. Let them see uh, acceptance let, and rather than judgment. And, and they'll be drawn to Christ through that. Fan the flame, but... But it's not about you getting a hold of yourself and doing better, rededicating your life to more busyness. Fan this flame that Paul's saying, the flame that I put in you. Fan that, the flame that your parents put in you, the truth of the scriptures, the the truth that your family gave you, all this background and heritage that you have. Fan that flame and fan the flame of your testimony. Now, how do we fan the flame of our testimony? We get more testimony. You know what's a dead coal that's sitting way over here that you're trying to you're trying to get a little bit of uh, fire from and heat from is that coal that that nostalgic testimony that old testimony from back when I was seventeen and I had this encounter 
on a Thursday night at camp. And that's all, and we just keep trying to fan that one. That's not the way you fan a flame. You don't keep going back to that old testimony. You get a new one for today. You go to God and say, God, what do I do about this situation in regard to my, my spouse? And, and God tells you, and you do what he says, and you see God's activity in your marriage, and all of a sudden, uh, man, your fan is flame. You got something fresh to say about God. Or you got something going on in your finances, and God uh, challenges you instead of saving, he actually challenges you to give more. And you go like, what? But you obey what he says, and then he comes through and provides money out of nowhere, and you, and you see God moving, and all of a sudden the realization comes that God is your provider, and it fans the flame. And I got a testimony today that's fresh and on fire. And it happens when you, when you spend a week uh, with people in, in religious circles, and they get you down and, and competitive and full of dead religion again, and you start trying to, uh, to compete, and, and you start judging them, and you get in here on a Sunday morning, and God says, all right, you ready to, to be about me again? And, he, and you say, and you repent, and you say, yes. And I'm not feeling guilty. I'm feeling joyful. And God says, man, it's all about me. And you fan the flame by letting that sin go and walking again and being all about Jesus again. And it fans your flame. you got a testimony today of God speaking to, to me and to you. And he's dealing with all these issues in your life. And so why do I, why do I go to the Bible why do I go to my quiet time? Why am I not going to neglect spending time with God and hearing from him? And why am I not going to neglect obeying God and letting him challenge my faith? Is because all those things are the fan. But I got to obey and walk in it and get fresh testimony to be able to have that fan flamed in my life. So I, I challenge you guys, just like Paul's challenging Timothy here. There's some stuff that God has invested in your life. Some of it comes from your, from your family and your, your past. Uh, some of it comes from, from here and from what you've heard from this pulpit and from your life groups and small groups. Some of it just comes from the life that you've experienced alone with God and it comes from your quiet time. But whatever it is, I want to encourage us today to remember our call. Remember our, our family heritage. Remember uh, our beliefs and our distinctives that God's given us. Remember those things. We've got testimonies, and we've got more in the making uh, right into today and tomorrow that God wants to build into our lives. All right, that's, that's what we need to remember. So what Paul, one of the things Paul said to Timothy at the close of his life in the final moments, he wanted to be sure and remind him, you've got a rich heritage, a lot of stuff that's been poured into you, and you're, you're coal that's ready to burn hot. Your fire's been lit. Don't let that fire go out. And when it starts to, you remember. You remember what God did in your life. You remember who God put in your life. You remember the words that God spoke to you and the things that you've walked in. And you get new and fresh testimonies by fanning that flame every day. Okay, and that's for us. We need that. We need to keep the freshness that we have uh, with God in this body by remembering those things. All right, let's pray. Lord, you have built into this body some beautiful things, Lord, that, that this world around us needs to experience. And we need this word today from these famous last words of Paul, your, your apostle. 
that he's speaking to us. You know, Lord, I pray that we'll receive these words today and apply those. Lord, you've reminded us of our call, our call as a church, our call as individuals. You were not here because uh, we didn't have, because uh, we thought this would be a cool place to go. We're here because you called us here. Uh, we're in, the, in this ministry together because you have a call for us. We're a body working together, fleshing these things out. I thank you for the testimonies that we have. But, God, I pray for more. I pray for a freshness to our testimonies, for a new commitment to abide in you and to gain more knowledge of you, Lord, and be continually uh, burning with hot fire for you. God, do that in our hearts. Refresh us today. Fill us up. As we worship this morning in closing, God, I just pray that, that our worship would be true, that as we sing, God, that our hearts would be full and that you would just grab us by your spirit today and help us to be your servants in this world. In Jesus' name.